Welcome, everybody, back to hey. another episode of hey, the Anna and Clay Show. Hey, Clay. Hey, Anna, what's going on? I mean, a little bit of everything today. A little it's bit kind of everything. one of those days. Kind of one of those days. It is one of those days. I actually forgot we were recording today, and uh, I spent the whole morning mowing. So instead of I preparing mean, for the podcast, so. it's just. It's just one of those. It's one of those deals. It's just normal life. It'd be like that sometimes. I mean, it'd be like that. Part of life. Um, very excited. Uh, tonight, picking yes, you right. and your crew up from the airport. We're coming to the party rock. Coming to we the party rock. And, We're coming in for a big birthday celebration. Tomorrow, we are gonna be recording in person in person so you will have at least one in-person episode of the and Nan clay show this season this is a high record week for us this is <laughs> so we recorded we recorded a future episode right on netflix's living undocumented right that you guys are going to hear on tuesday of this week today's thursday um Correct. we felt like 13th which is like what we're covering now was so important that we're splitting it up into two episodes. So we're recording parts one and two today um, on Thursday. And then tomorrow on Friday for the in-person interview, uh, we're, we're getting into a little bit of Israel v. Palestine. Yeah. I uh, mean, content. who doesn't love to talk about Israel and Palestine? Who doesn't love to talk about Israel and Palestine? It's just such great conversation. So good. So good. I really, I think, like, I know this happened in Bruno, but I really think the best course of action is Sasha Barrett Cohen in character negotiating peace between the two countries. I don't care what. I mean, that's one way to go about it. I don't care what character, just a character. (laughs) That's one way. Yeah, That's so so saying. we're covering that, and then yesterday I recorded an episode of my other podcast, the Ozark Gear Guide podcast. Um, probably probably not a lot of crossover between these two audiences, if I had to guess. But you never know. You Let's never just know. A little plug in there. You never, never know. know. If you never if you cannot get enough of me yammering, there yeah. is more of it on the internet for you. So there you go. There you there go. You there you go. All that but being today, said. The thirteenth. Let's get into it. We're getting. We're gonna. Um, we're gonna talk about thirteenth uh, today, and so this is a film by Queen Ava DuVernay. Mm. She produced this in twenty sixteen for Netflix. And you guys, if you haven't watched this, I want you to stop what you're doing and go right now and watch it on Netflix. Listen, listen if you to are me. driving, if you are driving, I want you to. To pull over as fast as you can and run into whatever establishment there is close by and shake somebody and say, do you have Netflix close by? And then the two of you need to run to whatever TV there is close by with Netflix. And both of you and the new stranger friend that you have need to sit down and watch 13 together. And you're both going to be better off for it. I'm just telling you straight out. I watch this documentary once a year. Once a year, I carve 90, 90 minutes out. Yeah. This is with another thing I will add. Um, about 13th, when we go through the episode, or as you go through the episode, when you watch it, or if you're just listening to our, the coverage on our podcast, um, 
a lot of stats are going to get thrown out here and you're going to go, there's no way that can be true. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I felt a little bit the same way. I was like, is that, is that possibly true? So, um, I did a deep dive on it. I did a whole big deep dive on, um, privatized prisons and a whole lot of this stuff in these stats. Y'all are super true and it is sickening. So, um, let me say this. I'm going to say this before we get started real quick. White people. I'm speaking to my fellow white people right now, specifically. This is the single most important piece of media that you or I can consume. As a white person living in America, and if, like you want to understand the black experience just a little bit, just a teeny tiny bit, because we're never going to be able to encompass all of it. Watch this documentary at least once a year, if not more, like just to remind yourself and to educate yourself. If you have black people or people of color in your life that you care about, watch this. If you don't, even if you don't, you should still watch this. This should be in schools. Like you should every year in high school in high school history class, like ninth grade through senior year, this should be mandatory in public schools. Okay. Let, let's go ahead and get into it. Right. Well, and I'm just going to add, I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said, because, um, I mean, if you're listening to this, there's a chance that you know me. Uh, so I, a lot of our listeners, I think, uh, well, at least a lot of our Instagram followers don't know. I don't know a lot of our Instagram followers so far, but, um, if there's, a, if you, if you're listening to this, there's a chance, you know, me, and I'm going to guess that if you know me, trust me, uh, question mark, question mark. I don't know. Maybe you don't, uh, but, a lot of the stats in this, they seem unreal. They seem mm. unreal. But I looked into it myself because I was like, is that true? Is it possibly true that that's, it just seems unreal. But I started doing research in this myself personally, because I just felt unfathomable that this is true in the United States, but all of it dead on accurate, spot on accurate. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it opens up giving us stats about, uh, the United States. The United States, 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners. Mm. Like, just process that for a second. And uh, Jelani Cobb is with us. He's a professor of African-American studies at uh, UConn. And he says something pretty profound here. And just give me some feedback on this, Clay. Okay. We are all products of the system our ancestors chose for us if we are white. Yes. So... Anderson Cooper did like a special the other night saying, cause he's a Vanderbilt, right? Yeah. So he, he was talking about the Vanderbilts and how he kind of distanced himself from that because he saw the Vanderbilts being lazy and uh, uh, what do you call layabouts is I think is what he said. That was the term uh, because they were just living off the wealth that was built for them. And he didn't want anything to do with that, but I was just thinking about that whole thing and they invested early in the railroad, um, probably built a lot by, um, Asian American immigrants, to be honest with you, just going to throw that as a, out as a sidebar. Um, but they established their wealth very early on because they were white and they had that opportunity Yeah, and became multi, multi billionaires early. Right. They had that opportunity. They were white. Right. So we are all products of the system. Our ancestors chose for us if we are white. 
Right. But if you're a person of color, that opportunity was not there for you. Mm. Right. So um, the, the doc goes on um, to explain that when the 13th Amendment was passed in the Constitution, it outlawed slavery. It, it declared slavery unconstitutional unless there was a little caveat in it. Unless, unless someone. And you say unless little. Someone, but it's, no, it's sure. pretty big. Huge. It'll, it's huge. it'll come into play. At the huge time, it seemed little. At the time, sure. it seemed little. Well, it was a purposeful. It was a purposeful caveat. Purposeful mm -hmm. caveat. Unless someone commits a crime. And those um, with the power to exploit this um, did. And they did. They exploited it however they saw fit. So um, 40 million prior slaves were arrested and incarcerated for, for what would be modern day misdemeanors like loitering um, and, that, and that kind of thing. So the we started seeing the vilification of black men mm -hmm. um, again and, pro and probably teenagers and children as well. So um, that was the this is what the whole crux of 13th is, is built around is that 13th what was meant to like outlaw slavery really just kind of brings you know because just it was just kind of a it was just red tape yeah right yeah it was just red tape i mean they they certainly they certainly knew what they were doing um you know at that time um and i feel like uh you know everybody there are so many people in the world that i've encountered that say listen man like slavery that was a long time ago um like nobody alive today owned slaves nobody alive today was a slave like just move on like just and and here's like the deal with that is that as you'll see throughout the progress of like this documentary and and as we kind of dissect it and go through it there everything that has happened in american history piggybacks off of civil war that like the so the u.s civil war and the fact that it was fought specifically over slavery and how white society at large has just found ways to get around slavery being illegal quote unquote now to still exploit minorities and still right. vilify minorities so right and um in one one group of people feeling like it was okay to own another group of people. Yeah, yeah, and like even even what we talked about, like it it, it doesn't seem like our first episode where we kind of broke down untold malice at the palace. Like it it doesn't seem that this event, the signing of the Thirteenth Amendment, would have anything to do with that. Um, but like the fact well, is, it sure like does. it sure does. I mean, you know, when we're talking about Jermaine O'Neal growing up in South Carolina seeing the confederate flag, confederate flag. everywhere mm -hmm. as a child and then you know we see the media again like still in 2004 2005 vilifying you know african-american males um you know that's something that we're about to get into here with the birth of a nation uh you know the first film ever showed at the white house um endorsed by um you know the president at the time so so it every everything this whole chain of events is connected everything um plays a part in this right correct so so as you mentioned um dw griffith's birth of a nation um 
is the first motion picture ever made, uh, and it's based on Thomas Dixon's The Klansman, which was a novel, and it's a blockbuster motion picture, and uh, it is the first real um, example of confirmation bias in the U.S. mainstream, mm-hmm. and it's really the culture rewriting the outcome of the Civil War, um, because in in this in this movie, uh, the South wins. Yeah. And that a daisy. Um, How about that? Yeah. How and, about that? Um, you know, I like I like I just mentioned, President uh, Woodrow Wilson at the time um, actually had a screening of this at the White House. And what what was his exact quote? I know you have it there in your notes. He said it was history written with lightning, or something along. Oh, those he guess he must have. Yeah, yeah, he might have said something like that. Some sort of bullshit like that. Let me tell you guys about Woodrow Wilson, President Woodrow Wilson. Um, this man was terrible. So his father, um, growing up, his father was actually, he grew up in the South and his father was actually, um, an abolitionist and, and his father, I believe his father had a abolitionist newspaper that he covered. Um, well, as Wilson got older, he began and kind of growing up in the aftermath of the civil war, he kind of viewed he he had a lot more empathy towards the south during during southern reconstruction um and actually became uh one of the leading lost cause historians at the time so he had a he was the president of princeton university for a time so he had a lot of academic credentials so him endorsing this film and all of its bullshit that it was um, really gave it a lot of weight and really like carried the torch of like giving this film that was so terrible and, and just wrong um, so much validity. So um, here's the other thing, the cultural representation of African-Americans in this film, they were like represented as especially African-American males like animals and barbarians and mm-hmm. they were out to get your women oh, yeah. um oh, so yeah. it just kind of perpetuated the idea that blacks are to be owned and handled or in not trusted because they're villains and um so this really just had this air of fear like blacks are to be feared and um must be controlled at all times um so this spark out out of this um air of fear um birth of a nation um sparked the rebirth of the kkk and mm-hmm. a new wave of terrorism which led to lynchings all across all the land all over the south it was sickening yeah. sickening sickening to watch i mean i i know i know it happened i know it happened but just watching it you're just Seeing, seeing the pictures that they show and like the tangible evidence of like lynchings mm-hmm. like it it really like this was happening a hundred years ago this was not in the grand span of history this was not that long ago um, literally that like 19, 1924 what are we are in um 2021 yeah yeah, yeah. We are 2021 right now. In 1924, the Democratic Convention, the majority of the delegates were KKK members. Mm-hmm. Like, just think about that. Like, yep. that is literally almost 100 years ago. Not even If the majority of the delegates were yeah. KKK. But think about how history is just like feeling, it just feels like history is about to repeat itself. 
-hmm. I mean, maybe we're not wearing hoods. I mean, I say we, y'all, yeah. some of y'all <laughs> out there. Blue uniforms and they have badges. Oh, and I mean, let's and not stuff. go that I'm far. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. That was bad. I'll take it out. I'll take but it out. I really feel like there's this air of, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to stop you from going that far for some. I mean, I don't know. That's in a, some cases. We'll go there. Let's go there in another episode, Clay. We'll let's just agree. We're going to go there in another episode because we'll go we're going to come for some um, ill intended police because. We'll come for them later. Yes, we'll do that later because just not right now. Yes. And we'll do that maybe in episode two. Maybe. <laughs> maybe uh, later. Probably. Maybe probably. later in the 13th. So um, anyway, I just feel like right now, I think we're in a time in our society where it's just splitting <clears throat> off into two directions and it feels very reminiscent of of Civil War. I wouldn't I wouldn't quite I wouldn't quite say that. Um, Would you I feel not? Like I mm, see here's, this is where I think I would I would maybe disagree with you on that a little bit. I would say that um, at this point, like in U.S. history, I, f I feel like my generation of people coming up um, Gen Z, I feel like our like BS tolerance is just really, really low. Um you know, and so I, I feel like I, I feel hopeful that a much more progressive and accepting group of people come in to, like, take power. I feel hopeful that we're going to be able to, like, you know, be able to fix some stuff. And I, I also think, too, that, like, um, you know, with the Internet now, we have so much accountability, like racist people who are openly racist are getting exposed on the internet every single day like tiktok twitter you know people saying the n-word in public people you know being profane i mean listen the killing of ahmaud Arbery, um if that had happened 20 30 years ago um we would have never heard about it you know but like with the internet and and everything we have today every the whole world is just so connected it's so much easier to see tangible evidence of injustice um and i think that's kind of what gives me hope that people people can see injustice happening with their own eyes now and realizing how big of a threat injustice anywhere is to justice everywhere you know I think my concern is that um, something changed four years ago, and it yeah. allowed people to, to I think we, like. Uh, I think we took a step back. Parts of themselves. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, according to the FBI, hate crimes, hate crimes, and domestic terrorism took a took a took a major spike. Um, I, yeah, I definitely agree that we took a took a couple steps back over the past four years. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like the past four years have been terrible enough that people <laughs> I kind agree. Of, people, people I completely kind of, agree with you. People kind I'm of ready understand. to move forward. Yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, like you look at the 2020 election, it was not as close as people predicted it to be. Like no, that, but there's that made me feel very encouraged that the people who 
like the fucking silent majority or whatever is really just like a very vocal minority that have first off first off let me say this first off i think it's important for us to remember that in 2016 trump lost the popular vote so it was he he won the reason he became president was because of electoral votes not popular votes um he got absolutely obliterated in the 2020 election so i feel like it was close to begin with the first time he became president and i think that so many moderates who would traditionally vote republican kind of saw the dangers of what would happen if that administration had remained for like another four years that they they were able to like flip their vote i mean we saw two states flip like completely you know so i i feel i feel confident moving forward that we're and that's not even to say that i'm like a huge joe biden fan because if you know me you know that i'm oh sure um i'm not there's no really yeah there's no perfect you know there's gonna be no perfect administration but here's my concern is that I don't even think that Trump is really, really the ultimate problem. I think that he is a symptom of something else. Because I I think even if he's not reelected, that it's going to be, there are these Marjorie Taylor Greene characters. Oh, sure. And like Madison Cawthorn or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you that he's not, I'm not, and you're right. I shouldn't have like blamed it all on Trump. I should have maybe like phrased everything differently. Um, but I think that like what, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at is like, while Trump's a, a symptom, he kind of just happened to like embody everything that, that had happened. Um, I feel like that's certainly on the decline. Like it, it's very much like, I think, you know, what we saw all throughout the summer of 2020 with like pro athletes, like really like coming together and like doing everything they did during that summer and just the way that the public's reacted to all these videos of, um, you know, things that have happened over the past year. Um, I don't think, I think people are more inclined to go the opposite direction now. I hope so. And it's just being hopeful and not to say like, I, I definitely think there's a lot more like tangible racism now than there was like maybe five, six years ago, because uh-huh. I feel like the people who are racist have become emboldened. But I also think like in my own personal like friend group, like people I know personally, um, like whether it be from like SBU or like where college or high school, wherever, like I've seen a lot of change in myself and I've seen a lot of change in like my friends um personally and and so i i think people are just coming to a much greater realization of like okay like we we've seen where like this like staunch conservatism has like gotten us and like not very many people liked it like it did not benefit a lot of people um so there's kind of like a drift away from that more does that make sense yeah. Warm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to hop through time here and yeah, we're going we'll, to we'll jump forward hop to bit. the 60s. And, you know, MLK's here and he's just going to tell us that justice de- justice delayed is justice denied. Mm. And of course, we all agree with Dr. King. And um, so 1964, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, 
Voting Rights Act gets passed um, through no small effort of Dr. King and the um, peaceful protests of the civil rights movement. And um, it was just a lot of of killing and bloodshed along the way. And oh, all yeah. along, I mean, it was just yeah. horrific. I, have you seen time. Selma? Like the movie? Which, Selma? So, yeah. I have not. I have okay, not. I've been okay. wanting to so, watch Selma. Selma's awesome. Let me say, like, it's not a documentary, but right. I highly, yeah, highly recommend. It's very historically accurate. It. It, mm -hmm. It's awesome. Fantastic movie. Okay, so Brian Stevenson of the Innocence Project, of course. I mean, what a boss. He's here to um, explain to us that. Under Nixon in um, 1970, the prison population was 357,000. Um, but Nixon introduces his war on crime, right? Tricky dick. <laughs> so this was, this is the, this is when the war on crime starts, you know, being introduced as a political strategy, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, with the war on crime comes the war on drugs and Southern strategy. So the Republicans start adopting this as part of their, they own this politically now, um, which this is so funny that we keep talking about these types of things. They, oh yeah. Republicans have owned now. Again, again, like the political landscape in mm -hmm. America is so fluid. Like everything mm -hmm. changes so much. Right. So, um, the Republican Party, they literally say they have two enemies. They're anti-war and black people. Yeah. The, the left just coming out and saying it. And it was it was a it was a Nixon aide. Um, it was a Nixon aide that said that. Yeah. So Nixon recruits the Southern whites to the Republican Party. That's his mm -hmm. goal. He wants to he wants to sweep the South and like recruit recruit all these um southern democrats to the republican party and he was just wanting to vilify the anti-war left like the people that were protesting against vietnam um he wants to vilify those folks and black people so he can get the racist south yeah. to become republican yeah it was and john, for the most part, it works john erkelman that said like our two he just came out and said it our yeah, two, our two like groups we were going after were like the anti-war left and like black people, and by associating marijuana with the anti-war left and crack Crime. with black people, like we could go nice. after both of them. We could arrest nice. their leaders, Classic. you know. And he just, he just, he's just so open about it. And the fact that so many people don't know that just drives me bananas. Like it just so frustrating. So so then you start seeing like the um again, it, it's just whatever everything old is new again. So then they start over policing and going after uh for petty crimes that they wouldn't go after yeah. white folks for. Um so so in nineteen eighty under Reagan, um the prison population jumped from uh three hundred and fifty seven thousand in Nixon's era to five hundred and thirteen thousand under Reagan. Angela Davis, Queen Angela Davis, Queen. Um, called this a frontal assault on social wel social welfare. Um, this war on drugs. They Reagan introduces this war on drugs. So if you are not a if you are not a child of the eighties, 
as mm. I am. Um, I was born in the 70s. I'm a child of the 80s. Nancy Reagan had this war on drugs. Say no to drugs, kids. Um, we were terrified of drugs, <laughs> as if the drugs were going to come get us in our sleep. Um, like, this this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Um, the cra It was like a fried egg in a pan or something. Dumbest commercial. Oh. I mean... <laughs> Have you seen those? You're yeah, so, yeah. I've seen those. They make me want to go do drugs. <laughs> like I'm like, this is this commercial is so not. It's just so stupid. It makes me want to do the thing that it's telling me not to do. Like it's it's so dumb. But yeah, I think like there's a quote. There's a quote in the documentary from Al Sharpton where where he's essentially just saying like. I joined up with it and people were asking me like, how could you join up with like Ronald Reagan? And he's like, I wasn't working with Ronald Reagan. I was working with Nancy Reagan. Cause yeah. like who, a Charles sweet, Rangel, a from, sweet he was a Democrat from old New York, yeah. lady said like saying like, yeah, don't do drugs. No kids. Drugs. That that's is right. so, that's so easy to hop on board with a little old grandma telling the, telling the youth to not, not do drugs. Like, who can say no to that? But but the thing behind it all is her husband is like pushing this narrative. Maybe maybe the CIA is helping the drugs get into these communities. I don't know for sure though. Maybe I don't know. we can't know. I mean that's that's. <laughs> I don't know. I, so I here's here's the deal. It. Here's the deal. This is what Angela Davis is calling a frontal assault on social welfare. Social welfare. There was a disparity in the sentencing for drug offenses. Mm -hmm. There was a difference between cocaine and crack. Yep. So yep. same drug, only they were manufactured differently yeah. and one was cheaper. Yeah. Um, so cocaine was like the rich Wall Street drug. Like it's rich white people got that cocaine and it, they could whatever. I don't know. Snort I don't. It. Yeah. You snort, snort cocaine. You, you guys, I'm just going to go on the record. I don't know much about drug usage, but. Um, because you saw Nancy Reagan's commercials, that's why you. Yes, because why. I'm terrified. But whatever. <laughs> oh, so they were. I know that. Uh, yes, they worked, you guys. But here's the deal. I know that this is the deal about what happened in the '80s. Is that crack was on the street, like it was considered the cheap drug, and there were much higher offenses. It's the same chemically. It's oh the yeah, same. yeah. It's the same drug, and and um at the same time like these mandatory minimums right for drug offenses were getting introduced the mandatory minimums for cocaine were so much lower than the mandatory minimum you know for crack and that's because you know again like um as we've heard now from like government officials they were specifically targeting the black community you know i, I don't really right. think that's a so secret now so black men were flooding the prisons and kept from their families. So here comes the even further increase in inc income inequality that had already been established mm. since the days of slavery. Like we just said, you know, your ancestors get to pick what your future is going to be unless you're black. Right. So we're moving on into the eighties and all the black men, all the daddies are getting locked yeah. up. And let me say this, why evangelical men like to for whatever reason they have this obsession with saying like the problem in black communities is like fatherlessness and like there's no there's no like the problem like I've, I've heard this from multiple people say clay the issue 
with like black families is like father like there's no father figures and it and no matter how hard you try to explain to these people yeah it's because all the fathers were put away in prison for nonviolent drug offenses like that they refuse to wrap their minds around it it's so dumbfounded like that they they'll say the problem you can tell people what caused that problem and they'll refuse to acknowledge it um it's just there's just so many just moderate white americans that just don't want to confront truth um and it's not even that it's and i feel like this is my this is my hypothesis as a well i'm not moderate i think we've established that but as a white straight male in america this is my hypothesis is that white people who deny the existence of systemic racism feel like that's their fault like they feel like it's responsible for them and they want they don't want to take responsibility for it even though they're not directly responsible from it they've just benefited from it and so they want to deny the existence of it because it makes them feel less accomplished that's my I feel like people that deny deny systemic racism <laughs> don't want to have to do anything about it. Yeah, that's the other. I, that's probably part of it too. I feel like they're like that doesn't ha- that doesn't exist because it then it, it would mean that they would me actually have to do it, anything. They would actually have to do something about it, or it would mean yeah. if they don't do something about it, then they're a monster. Or they know like they have two black friends who maybe agree with them on one issue. And they'll take that or they know value. yeah or they don't exactly. know any black people at all yes. and it doesn't touch their life so they have mm-hmm. no idea what they're yeah, talking about exactly yeah that's a big part of it and okay that's why you so moving watch on the 13th. right watch it you guys seriously again do it so so ronald reagan promised tax cuts to the rich and incarceration of drug offenders like okay convenient for him um and convenient that the drug offenders he's incarcerating are crack users and not cocaine users who paid mm-hmm. fines because they could mm-hmm. afford it and they can also afford attorneys attorneys to, to get, get them, them off of those drug offenses not these overworked public defenders mm. 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 so you guys public enemy leads us into the next segment and it just made me really happy <laughs> we love chuck d <laughs> chuck d Oh, hey, I love and listen, if, Flav you, Flav if, with you, his if you don't pot. like if you don't like rap music and you you want some like social justice fire, Rage Against the Machine. Excellent alternative. OK, excellent I mean, alternative. Whatever. Prophets what? of Rage, which is like a mashup of like public enemy and Rage Against the Machine. Prophets of Rage. That's kind of like their new band name. So that's okay. cool. So check that out. So so in 1985, the president population has increased to 759,000. Um, that is and a high number, Auntie. The media overrepresentation of black as criminal um, is just on the rise and the word super predator makes its play. And you just hear all these, all these politicians, mm. like from Hillary Clinton to, um, I mean, just everybody, Joe everybody's Biden. Joe Biden, everybody's using the word yeah. super predator. I mean, yep. right, left, yep. middle Everybody. of the road, 
Everybody. Everybody's using the word super predator. It's just the way it is. Donald J. Trump took out hey, an ad you know who's against... Not, you know who's not using the word super predator, though, at who? this time? Bernie Sanders. Oh, probably so. Yeah, probably Bernie's so. down with the culture. Yeah. yeah. He's just sitting there in his cardigan, swinging his leg, yep. shaking his head. Trying to make the world um, a better place. Just, just doing, doing his, his thing. thing, chilling. Um, Trump took out an ad against the Central Park Five Um before DNA evidence exonerated. This should have been the first red flag. I don't, I don't understand it. Calling I mean, why does he take, he takes out a full page ad against the Central Park Five before. Calling for the public edu- execution mm-hmm. of an innocent black teenager. And this is, and this, this proves that it's purely about race is when they caught it and it was a light skinned Hispanic dude. He said nothing. Mm-hmm. He did. He did oh, not he, keep that well, energy up. Clay, what's new? He has never ever said he's wrong. No, ever. no. So I mean, it's he's not gonna say he's wrong back then. It's a combination of him being racist and him having too much pride to admit when he's wrong. Right. Totally. Yes. You guys, New Gingrich is here. Oh my gosh. Oh, I was I was really surprised he knew. The first time I watched this documentary, I was in my dorm room at Southwest Baptist University. I was in Got. It was three oh nine. I think. And I was like sitting in bed and I was like, New Gingrich? What is he doing here? No clue. Continue with me. So, yeah. It was kind of, you know, it's a weird thing when you're like really excited to see like New Gingrich. You're like, oh my gosh, it's kind of well, refreshing. I was not excited to see him at first because okay. I thought he, I thought he was going to be on some BS. But okay, he was right. Not. I'm just telling you. I was pleasantly surprised. I always vote a really, really weird split ticket. I'm not, I'm a very purple person. I don't vote red or blue. I vote really, really split. So, I mean, I have mixed feelings about Newt, um, but it was like seeing an uncle that you haven't seen in a long time who's not <laughs> necessarily garbage. Like, you're like, oh, what are you doing here? Hey, Good to see you. Like, what have you been up to? Yeah. And, um, so he's explaining the exploitation of the Willie Horton case in the mm-hmm. in the Bush Dukakis campaign, um, and that's the H.W. Bush um, for you youngins out there. Um, so he was talking about the so Willie Horton um, was a man that was in prison. I guess he was on a prisoner release system yeah, like so they, they let him out for the, the weekend they used to have this uh they used to have this program where people who were incarcerated for long periods of time have like a weekend pass or whatever right so governor dukakis was supportive of this system and so they let um willie horton out for the weekend and apparently a murderer yes and, and apparent apparently he raped and murdered um he raped he killed the husband and raped and murdered the wife and the H.W., which I like H.W. I think he's a good, good cat. I'm, this is not against him. I'm not trying to get political. But uh, apparently the H.W. Bush campaign used that to say, we are hard on, we're tough on criminals. We aren't going to do what the Dukakis campaign did and let these people out on, you know, these weekend passes and let them out to rape and murder again. But they showed this picture of Willie Horton. It mm. wasn't the fact they were using the facts. It was that they... They threw up the picture. A really, it wasn't picture a huge of picture of Willie shot. Horton, who was a black man, and um, so they were being accused of of um, using race. And Willie Horton, like his name and like 
his name was very small in that ad. It was the right. two most prominent things in that when you see a pop up are his mugshot and rapist and murderer uh-huh. in large Y'all? capital letters. They they knew exactly what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, Van Jones is not having it. He is not here for that. They knew He's what they not. were doing the whole time. God bless Van Jones. Yeah, I love Van Jones. I love some Van Jones. He always tells it like it is. Um, so this was they were, they were just saying this is clear race based fear mongering, mm-hmm. just straight out. If it so, if it was a white if it, if Willie Horton was a white man that did this stuff, this ad would not have seen the light of day. Right, hundred percent right. chance they're not airing that ad. Right. Okay, so the bottom line was that we were in this era where we were in this era mandatory minimums and 90, 90% of the prosecutors were white. Um, we were in this era of truth and sentencing um, and the law did away with parole. Um, Bill Clinton signed a crime bill in 1994, which um, expanded prisons and um, brought in like unused um weaponry and military, stuff from, yeah. from military 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 grade equipment yeah yeah this is where we see the militarization of the police what happens when you give um police jurisdiction if you give a cop a tank and you don't probably train a cop how to how to use that protesters. tank or yeah. you know military weaponry they're going to over police or abuse those unit system uh, uh, yep saying yep so Bill Clinton's kind of called out on that later and like yeah he just pops off I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. say he just I'm like Bill calm down William so he's like look nobody's nobody's defending the crack dealer (laughs) like what is he what did he say he was like okay okay so this is this is what happened. Just paint a picture for you. He's guys. like somebody said. He's, he's at a bad. Hillary. He's, he's at a Hillary Clinton rally. He's speaking at a Hillary Clinton rally, and some protesters call him on his bullshit. Um, you know, like they're supposed to do, and he's like, right. "Y'all aren't. Y'all shouldn't be going after me. Y'all should be going after the ones giving crack to That's the right. children." That's right. And just kind of misses the entire point. Like, right. Just giant swing and a miss, man. Oh, it was, it was right. not, not. It was just cool a bad say. look. It was, it was really a bad, bad look. look. He was, it was like he kind of took ownership. He said, I, I regret what I did, but then but, they, it, but, it, but then he went back there. and it, yeah. So, Ugh. anyway, William, control yourself. Oh, yeah. William, so, William does not, he does not always control himself. No, no, he does not. He does not. So, moving forward through, we're kind of bouncing back and forth through the through history. Um, the FBI called Martin Luther King the most notorious liar in the country. Um, <sighs> I, yeah, and hey, they were you... so he was coming for MLK, Malcolm X, Black Panthers, coming for everybody, everybody, <sighs> everybody. So um, Angela Davis once again, you guys, Queen. Queen Angela Davis. We love her. So she gets um, brought to trial on some 
Were they trumped up charges? Eh, they were pretty like the bullshit arometer was all the way up. I believe anyway, that. she's not having it either. She's like, no. listen, she, I'm I'm just gonna go try. I'm gonna I'm gonna def- I'm gonna defend myself. This girl represents herself. Herself. She rolls up in there like a queen and she just handles her business and mm. walks. Like she's just like, I don't have any of this. I'm gonna take my educated mind and just take you to town. She pops off. See, that's I mean, that's another thing. When you talk about a revolution, most people think violence. Um, without realizing that the real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for, not in the way you reach them. On the other hand, uh, because of the way this society is organized, because of the violence that exists on the surface everywhere, you have to expect that there are going to be such explosions. You have to expect things like that as reactions. If you are a black person and live in, 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 in the black community all your life and walk out on the street every day seeing white policemen surrounding you. I, when I was living in Los Angeles, for instance, long before the situation in L.A. ever occurred, uh, I was constantly stopped. No, the, the police didn't know who I, who I was, but I was a black woman and I had a, had a natural and, and they, I suppose, thought that I might be a, quote, militant. And when you live under a situation like that constantly, um, uh, and, t- then, and then you ask me, you know, whether I approve of violence. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. So I think we should stop here. We're gonna stop here, episode one. Yeah, episode one. We got a lot to. We got a lot. We have a lot to unpack. A lot, but yeah. I again, like that. So much good content in this document. So educational. Um, so much to learn. Like fantastic, fantastic documentary. Um, lost stuff. You gotta stop with Angela Davis saying what speak in her mind because she is. That's a good place to stop. Amazing. She's amazing. Um, but by 2014, the prison population, you guys, is over 2 million people, and the vast majority are black men. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you that we are headed somewhere and there's an issue going on Mm -hmm. in America, I mean, yep, I'm not gonna convince you. Not, I mean, despite, yeah, I think it's really important to look at the fact that like African Americans are a minority of the actual population um like just the general population of united states citizens but they are certainly a um majority uh they make up a majority of the prison population so listen right off the bat if that doesn't seem fishy to you check yourself go check yourself yeah that's all right that should be immediately immediately a red flag but okay that this this is part one we'll be back next friday with part two uh, if there's any documentaries you want us to watch, anybody you think we should try to interview, let us know in the comments below. Uh, we want you to know that we love you. We want you to know that God loves you. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye.